Gemara Erubin has been sponsored by Mr. Isaac Jamal and his wife Celia for their success, for their children's success, health, happiness, beracha, parnasav, atzlaha, bechol maaseh yedehem. Daf Mimhet. Today's daf has been dedicated by Mr. Aich Shaybar in honor of the rabbi. Today's daf is being studied Le'ilun Ishmat. Hacham Baruch, Rafael ben Miriam, and Abraham ben Esther. Ruach Hashem, Tanihim began Eden. Amen. We are studying Memzain Amud Bet, and we're going to start on the bottom line. Tani Rabbi Hiyah. Herem Sheben Tehume Shabbat. Sarikh Mechisa Shil Barzel Lehapsiko. We're talking about over here. A harem, harem which means is a uh, an area, body of water that you have in between two tehomei shabbat. Imagine you have two cities, right? And at the end of the tehom of one city, and at the end of the tehom of a another city that are adjacent to each other, there's a, a water that runs <laughs> on the border. So that's called harem. It's the water sheben tehomei shabbat that is in between the tehomei shabbat. Now, what's the concern? The concern is that obviously the water is moving, so the guys in one city are going to receive water that went out of the tomb, because the water goes from one area, inside one tomb, into a, another tomb. And that water seemingly is uh, not usable, because now it's in a different tomb, it's outside of the uh, prescribed measure. And the other side as well, so the water is going back and forth. So what do you do in order to alleviate the, uh, the problem? So the Gemara says, make a mechitzah barzel. Make a metal uh, wall and partition the waters. Which means go down into this uh, area of water, put like a partition in the water to separate the waters on one side to one city and the waters on the other side to the other city. Now, let's look at Rashi. Harem. Okay, Harem is, is, uh, is that uh, Mitsudat Dagim. is an area like a, uh, where they catch the, the, the fish. Umafsik bemayim. Okay, there's water in between. Next Rashi. Sadiq Lasut Mehisashil Barzir. Shelo Yavru Mayim Shil Tchumze Letok Tchumze. You don't want the waters to go out of one tchum into another tchum. Vechol Mashi Betok Tchumahir En Koneshi Vitabim Komo Liotlo Mimikomo Alpayim Amal Chodruach Ela Batarair Garir. She tells us the water in that area follows the tchum of the city. So the tchum of the city, you have 2,000 Amah from the city, and that's where. It's bordered with a, another city. And therefore, what are we concerned about? Ve'imu besofa tchum, if this um, water is at the end of one tchum, en yachol lazuz misham ve'lachutz, the water cannot go out, ve'en b'net tchum ze'yicholim lemalot betoch tchum atzmo, ve'pnei ha'iruv ma'in shetchum ha'acher. Which means they're not going to be able to draw water, that people in that city, because in that water you're going to have mixed of waters that came from a, another tchum. So therefore, what, is the, what does it say to do? Put a mechitzah. So the Gemara comes along and says, on the top of the daf of Memchet, Mechayech aleh Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Hanina. So Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Hanina laughed at it. He laughed at this halakha. So the Gemara says, Maitamaka mechayech. What was he laughing for? Why, why is it such a funny halakha? Ilema mishum detani la kerebi Yohanan ben Nuri lechumraa. If it's because he's taking the opinion of Rabbi Yohanan bin Nuri lechumrah, he's taking Rabbi Yohanan bin Nuri's opinion 
to be stringent. What was Rabbi Yohanan Minuri's opinion? He held that hefseh hefker, that items that are ownerless, are koneh shivita, which means they have their uh, prescribed tom, uh, um, meaning 2,000 amma lechol sad, as opposed, and that's a stringency. Because if we were lenient, we would say what? That hefseh hefker could follow the one that acquires it. Now in this case, if you say that it follows the one that acquires it, so then already, since his tomb goes into the other city, then that's where the water, you're getting the water, so then you have a leniency. So maybe he was laughing because this opinion is taking the Yohanan bin Nuri's opinion, being stringent and therefore is not allowing you to take the water, unless you put a mechitzat to separate the waters on both sides. Look at the bottom nashi. Bottom nashi. Bitmiha. Bottom nashi on Nimzayim. If he's following and the rabbi that left holds that we don't follow Rabbi Hanan bin Nuri. We follow the opinion of rabbis, and the rabbis say, meaning they follow the tomb of the person that acquires it. Therefore, you don't need to put any walls, you don't need to put any partitions, just drink the water. Since bottom line, that water is in an area where you can walk, so therefore it's permissible. So maybe that's why he's laughing. He's laughing at what are you taking the Yohanan bin Nuri's opinion to be stringent? So the Gemara says, I read again, And Rabbi Haya holds like the rabbi's opinion. To be lenient, meaning that hefseh hefker are not konesh shavita. Therefore, you can drink the water because it's in your domain where you can walk. So just because of Haya holds lekula, the Yosef, I'm sorry, just because of Yosef, Rabbi Hanina holds lekula. So somebody that states an opinion that's Mahmeh, so you laugh at him? Which is why is that warrant to laugh at him? Okay, so the Tanav that, uh, the Braita, who was that? The Bihiya. The Bihiya was Mahmir. Oh, so you laugh at him because you're Mekel? So the Gemara says, Ela Mishum. No, it's a different reason why he left. The Tanya, because we looked at another Braita, Neharota Moshin, streams of water, Neharot rivers that are moving, Umahayanota Nobaim, and Mayanot wellsprings that are flowing. Harehen Kedaglekul Adam. They have a status of the one that draws from them. Why? Because we learned early in this uh, pedic that you only koneshevita and something that's stationary. Something that's moving is not koneshevita. Now the chaurah, this water that's between the two tchumim, is moving. So therefore, even according to Yohanan bin Nuri, that says what? The hefseh hefked. Konim shevita, that's only when they were stationary. But these waters are moving before Shabbat, or going into Shabbat. Therefore, they should not be kone shivitar. Also, automatically, it should follow the tomb of the one that's filling up. So they were, that's why he was laughing. He said, "What color are the over here? There's no tomb for this uh, water over here." So the Gemara says, "V'dilma b'mchunasim." Who told you they're moving? Maybe we're talking about over here, where the waters were gathered and they were stationary and they're in one section. And therefore they are Kodesh Shemitah. So how could you laugh in a case like that? Maybe the case was indeed, they were stationary. So the Gemara says, Ela mishum deketari sarik barzel So that's, that, that, that's the issue. The issue was, in the fact that the rabbi said that the way you alleviate the problem is by taking a mechitzah, a barzel of uh, iron, 
and you place it in between the two tehomim. Umay shena kanin delo de'aile behumaya. Why don't you put a wall of reeds, for example? How can you berzel? Obviously, reeds, because the water is going to seep through. And you'd have the same problem. The waters of one side of Tukum are going to go outside of its Tukum into the other city. And now when the guy's drawing, he's drawing water from uh, another city that's outside the Tukum. So he doesn't like Kanim. A reed wall will not be good. Why? Because the water will go in from one side to the other side. So he says, Shel barzel nameh, So he laughed. He said, what do you think? You think a metal wall is going to do anything different? First of all, you can't put the wall all the way down to the bottom of the bed of the water. So therefore, uh, the water is going to still seep from underneath. And even if you want to tell me you could put it all the way to the bottom, the water still seeps through from the bottom. You can't really put a wall in water to separate between two sides. So therefore he was trying to say, the reason why he was laughing is because what is that metal wall going to do? I mean, obviously you chose a metal wall. Why did you say a wall of reeds? No, a wall of reeds because uh, the water can go through. Well, you think a metal wall is going to stop the water from going through? So what, what, what kind of solution were you giving to say that a mechitzah barzel will alleviate the problem. It's not going to alleviate the problem. Just like a, a wall of reeds is not going to alleviate the problem, mechitzah barzel is no different. So he's laughing. That's why he was laughing. So the Gebra says, V'dilma tzarich ve'enlo takana ka'amal. Gebra says, no. Maybe that's exactly what he was saying. Maybe he was saying, since the only way you could separate potentially between the two tahomim is by putting a mechitzah barzel, and even that is not going to help. Therefore, in takana. And that, maybe that's what the Rebchaya was saying in the Brayta. When you have two tukumim, the borders, with water in the middle, they cannot drink the water from their respective side. Even with the mechitzah barzel over there. You know why? Because it doesn't help. I mean, that's what the rabbi was saying when he said, Sarikh mechitzah shil barzel That you would need a mechitzah shil barzel And even that won't help. And therefore, that's what the rabbi was saying, that there's no way to fix this situation. So what are you laughing at? That's what I was saying, which means, according to the way we're understanding now, uh, Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Hana was laughing, why? He was saying, come on, Rabbi Hayah, what's the Bahisa Bazel going to do? The Gibran is saying, yeah, that's exactly what Rabbi was saying. It can't do anything. For sure the water is going to go through, therefore, there is no solution to this case. So the Gemara says, why was he laughing again? Why was he laughing? We didn't find a legitimate reason for uh, the rabbi uh, to laugh against the Chayyam. Comes the Gemara and says, Ela mishum dekalu shekidu hachamim b'mayim. What he was laughing was, you don't need to have a wall that goes all the way down that can actually stop the waters from going from side to side. Because we have a special leniency when it comes to water. Since water is a necessity for people to drink, Hakamim understood that necessity. And therefore, we're going to tell the people in the Tum, you can't drink water today in Shabbat? It's too, too mahmir. So the rabbis gave a leniency and said, so long as you have a wall that's ten tefahim, uh, tall, long, even though waters can go from one side to the other side, we're going to give a special leniency. It's considered it's a mehitzah, it's considered separate, and therefore, you don't have to worry. Which means that's why he was laughing. He was saying, why is so being mahmir? We know from another situation, by water, the rabbis were mekel. What was the case? If you remember, we learned earlier in the Masechet, a guy has his balcony, right? And he needs to, exactly, he needs to draw water from the uh, water beneath him into his uh, balcony. So he said, what does he do? He makes a box. 
He makes a box with the walls that are ten tefachim uh, long. So that box technically becomes a reshut hayachid. He puts his bucket in the box and he draws <coughs> into that box, even though the walls don't go all the way down into the water. Now normally we have a rule that says that if there's a breach in walls, where let's say animals or you know goats can go through it, it's not considered a wall. Oh, how can this case over here? You're putting your box over the water. It's not reaching all the way down into the water, but we consider it a mechitzah. So the Gemara said what? Kal Special kula when it comes to water, we waive some of the uh, strictness. So therefore, that's what the Hanina was saying here. What are you being so strict over here, Rabbi? And you're telling us that uh, you have to put a mechitzah over here, and uh, the, you cannot drink the waters. Adaba. You could put a mechitzah, uh, uh, even though the waters are going through, it's okay, because we gave a special kula. And the Gebarah says, Ela mishum dekalu shekilu Like the statement of Rabbi Tabla, Rabbi Tabla There was a question asked from Rabbi Tabla Terab. teluya. A hanging, a suspended wall. Ma'u shetatir bechurba. Will it be matir in a dilapidated house? You have a house, has walls. One of the walls goes down, however, it doesn't go down all the way to the ground. So therefore, it's, it's uh, breached. So the Gemara wants to know, when it comes to a house, do we say a breached wall is considered a wall? So the Gebarah says, And he told him, no, by a house, we're not making A breached wall is not a wall. And therefore it's not considered a shoot the The breached wall, we only are lenient when it comes to water. And what's the case of the breached wall? Like I told you, you have the box that doesn't go all the way down into the water. And therefore, even though there's airspace between the wall and the water, so the same thing over here also. In this case over here, what are you telling me that what? That there's no way you can drink from these waters because the water's going to go out and there's no takana. He says, well, once you just put a, a, a wall, you don't even have to put a metal wall. You can even put a wall of reeds. Which means, I don't care if the water is going to go back and forth. The point is, Hachemim gave a kula when it comes to water, that it's considered a... Mechitzah, therefore will allow you to drink from both sides. Rashi, let's read the Rashi on the on two, three, fourth line. De kalhu it was a leniency. Shekelu hakamim b'mayim. The mechitzah called do any type of wall is good, even reeds. You don't need that the metal wall according to Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Harina. Ubelvad shiye ba asara has to be at least ten tefachim tall. I don't care if water is going in from the top and from the bottom. Bottom one, you made a mechitzah, it's considered a wall. This is on one domain, this is on another domain. Drink your waters. I, the waters are going across. That will consider it that you're drinking from your side, and he's drinking from the other side, and we're not going to be mahmir. So it comes out, we have a mahlok in this case over here. According to the Braita of Rabbi Hayyab, he said, why well, you got to put this mechitzah of, of, uh, of metal, and uh, according to one opinion, the Gemara won't even work. And therefore, there's no option. And according to the Biyosim B'Rahim, he says, no, we have a kulao, they just put any type of mechitzah separating, and that'll be considered uh, legitimate. Comes the Gemara, and continues. Comes the Gemara, and continues. Let's go back to the Mishnah. We learned in our Mishnah that when a person is sleeping at the time of uh, Shavita, at the time of Hashikah when Shabbat comes in. So we had a Mahlok, Rabbi Yohanan ben Nuri, 
and Hakamim. The Rabbi Yohanan bin Nuri said that even a sleeping person, his uh, shivita is a shivita, his residency is a residency going into Shabbat, and therefore he has 2,000 amot lechol ruach. He has 2,000 amah to each side. According to Hakamim, they said no. You have to be conscious. When, when Ben Hashem Ashot comes through, you were sleeping, you do not have a shivita, therefore you're only limited to four amot. And then the Mishnah went on to say, in that four amot that you have, in cases like this, we have a machloket. How do you calculate the four amot? Rabbi Al-Azhar says, we consider you in the middle, and if you get two amot in front and two amot behind you, and Hatarakama said, Hakamim or Rabbi Uda said, that you have four amot in one direction. But you have to pick your direction. You can go four amot straight, you can go four amot back, four amot to the side, but once you pick your direction, that's the direction you have. So comes the Gemara and says, Rabbi Uda, I Tanakama. Rabbi Yehuda that says you have four amot, seemingly that's the same opinion of Tanakama. Because what did Tanakama say? You have four amot. When a person was sleeping through the uh, Shavita, through the Ben Hashem Ashot, you have four amot. Now what does four amot mean? He didn't say four amot and you're in the middle. When, you, when he says you have four amot, it's ma'ashma, four amot to one side. So isn't that the same opinion of Rabbi Yehuda that also says you have four amot? So therefore, what is the difference between Tanakama's four amot? And the Bihudas for Amot. Both are saying you have four Amot Lechaura onto one side. So comes the Gemara and says, Amaraba, Shmona, Shmona, Ika Benayhu. There's a big difference. Eight by eight, or four by four, Ika Benayhu. One opinion is going to say that when we say you have four Amot, what does that mean? That means you have uh, a square of two by two, by two by two, which means two by two is. Four amot on uh, each side, like uh, two amot here, two amot there, two amot there, two amot there. And another person is going to say, no, you have four amot to each side. What's the difference? Which means, uh, let's, let's read it in Nashi. Look at Nashi, Dibura Matrisha, when I was Shemunayi Kabinayu. The Rabbanan, the rabbis, Savri, that's Rabbanan is the first opinion. Dalit Bechos Tadim. You have four amot to either side you want. You want to go forward four amot, you want to go backwards four amot, you want to go to the sides four amot. Hainu Shemona Hashemona. That's really 8 by 8, which is 4 by 4, by 4 by 4, right? Like a square of 4, that's, that's, that's really 8 by 8. T- t- times the two sides, 4 by 4 is 8 by 8, 8 by 8. Meaning, according to Tarakma, is lenient. You're going to get 4 to each side. The Rabbi Uda Sabar, Lehadruah Vetula. So Rabbi Uda is going to say, no. You get 4 to one side. You cannot go 4 to every side. Now, how does uh, the Gemara know who holds what? Both said 4 Amot. How did the Gemara know to say that it was Tanakama that held you get four to each side, and it's the Miudah that says you only get four to one side? So that she tells us. He says, Which means when the Gemara said uh, by the Bili Aizir that the Bili Aizir says you get two in front and two. Behind, and then uh, Rabbi Uda came along and said, "No, you get four, and if you picked what side, that's the side you're limited in." Now, now she wants to learn that what that that's only talking about four on one side. But Tanakama was reacting to what Rabbi Hanam and Nuri said. Rabbi Hanam and Nuri said, "When a guy's sleeping during Ben Hashem Ashot, he has two thousand amal lechol ruach." What does lechol ruach mean? To every side. And to that, Tanakama came along and said, No, you have Arba Amot. But Arba Amot what? Lechol Ruach. Which means he was reacting to the same case of the Yohanan bin Nuri. Since the Yohanan bin Nuri held 
lechol ruach. So therefore, lechol means every side. So I don't, I don't, I don't hold you get two thousand amot lechol ruach, but I hold you'll get four amot lechol ruach. So it comes out we have a great machloket over here when calculating a situation where you just get four amot. One rabbi tenakama is going to hold four amot means you can walk four amot on all sides. You're not limited to. So, you know, only, let's say, going uh, forward or, or one direction. However, according to, uh, that's, that's a much bigger, it's a double, whatever, a quadruple, the radius that you have. You can go four amot to each side. Yeah. Correct, 16 squared. However, according to uh, the Buddha, no, it's four amot, it's four amot. Four amot, and you pick the side that you want to take your four amot, and that's your lockdown. So there is a nafkamina between the two opinions of the Mishnah. So comes the Gemara and says... Tanya Namiyache, we have a bright to support this. Yesh lo Shimona al Shimona. You have eight by eight, meaning four to each direction, divided by Meir. That is the opinion of the Bimir, meaning the Bimir is the Tanakama of our Mishnah. Be'ama Ravah, Ravah comes also says, Machloket lehalich. This whole Machloket, whether you have four in one direction or four in each direction, that's only the Gabe walking, meaning the Gabe Tchum. Aval, little tail, but to carry something in the Rishut Rabin, Everybody agrees you can't carry more than four amot in the Rishut Rabin. Which is, even the opinion that says you have four to each direction, that's like a bit, that's like a bit halikh. But if you want to carry something in the Rishut Rabin, the maximum you can carry is four amot on one side. Okay, which is uh, an obvious deen that we know is uh, the law of you cannot carry four amot in the public domain. The Hani Dalit Amot Hechekitiva. So let me ask a question now. These four Amot that you're telling me, that when you went outside your tomb, let's say, or let's say where you weren't Kone'e, Shevita, that you only have four Amot, where did you get this number four Amot from? Where, where did they get this Kaika? Maybe it's ten Amot, maybe it's sixteen Amot. Where did you get the Shi'ud for Amot uh, for a person that is not Kone'e, Shevita? So the Gemara says, Kedetanya, it's actually in a Braita based on a Pasuk. Shevu Ish Tahtav. The Torah tells us uh, that Borei uh, Olam says, "Reu ki Hashem natan lechem et Shabbat." God gave us the Shabbat. Alken, who natan lechem yom shishid lechem yomayim? God gave us double portion of man on Friday, and therefore nobody has to go out on Shabbat. Shevu ish tachtav, but everybody sit in your place. So now the Gemara is going to say, "Oh, so you see what?" The Torah is telling that you have to sit in your place. What is considered the place of a person? So the Gemara says, Ketachtav, which means like his place. What is considered his place? Gufo shalosh amot. A normal person's body, his height would be three amot. So when he lies down, he stands, let's say, three amot. Plus an extra amah to stretch. Meaning he wants to stretch his hands back, he wants to stretch his, his feet. So therefore, for a normal guy to lie down in an area, he spans for amot. Three plus stretching. So that's where we got the shi'ud of, where we said if a guy, let's say, doesn't have a tomb, you get four amot. Why? Because that's the normal area that a person needs to, to live. That's the opinion of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir, Gufo Shalosh Amot. He says, well, I agree with you. Three amot for the body to lie down. And you need an additional amma if you want to take something that's under your legs and put it behind your head. For example, let's say a pillow, for example. It's a good example. So you have to reach in front of your legs, right, to get the pillow, for example. And then you bring it back behind your head. 
So therefore, that little extra in front of your legs and behind your head, that gives you the extra amah. So basically, they're both coming to the same shi'ud. It's for amot. Mm-hmm. question is, how do you do it? Is it three plus stretching? Or is it three but because getting an item from front of you and putting it behind you? So the Gebra asked the obvious question, my benayu. What's the halachic difference between how you got to the four? Everybody's agreeing it's four. So the Gebra says, there is a difference. Arba amot mitzumtzamot. Which means, does it have to be four amot precisely? Mitzumtzamot, which is in exactly. Now, that she says, let it be mitzumtzamot. According to the Biuda that says, it's three amot plus the amount to stick your hand in front, to take an item and put it behind your head. We're talking about precisely four uh, amot, meaning in the, in the stricter calculation of making amot. The Rebimi takes the, 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 the longer measure and lets you, it's one word which we learned in Amma is six tefahim. Each Amma is six tefahim. And there's different ways of calculating the uh, the tefahim, right? Is it uh, the tefahim where the each each tefah is made up of it's ma'ot, of fingers, right? So the question is, how do you place the fingers? Do you place them close to each other, mitzum sabot, or do you place them wide? So therefore, there's different types of ways of calculating a tefah. Either you take the more precise, stricter measure, or you take the more a linear measure, you have airspace in between, for example. So therefore, the Gemara said, there's enough coming. It's four amot. The question is, is it four lenient in either the big shi'ud or not? Now, that she doesn't tell us why, but he decides for us and says that it's the biyuda, the one that says, enough to stretch to take your pillow from the front of you and put it behind you. He holds the smaller shi'ud, mitzum samod, and if he holds the stretching, he holds the, the bigger one. The reef argues on that she. The reef holds it's the exact opposite. Uh, we have no raya uh, either way. Just, just know we have a machlokir ishulim exactly which, which which one do you prescribe the mitzum samot and which one do you prescribe the meruvachot. Amale Rav Misharshi alibre. Rav Misharshi told his son ki ailit lekame derav papa. When you go into the midrash and you see Rav Papa, ba'emine. Ask him the following question. Arba amot she'amru. This four amot that they said when you have a tomb, you have your four amot. How do you calculate the Amah? Is it a personal Amah? Meaning, an Amah normally is from the person's elbow to the end of his fingers. That's the shoot of an Amah. So the Gebarah wants to know, does each guy calculate it according to what he is? Meaning, if you have a, a big guy, it's a bigger Amah, if you have a small guy, is it a subjective? Is it each guy that goes, or is it a fixed measure? Now, what would be the fixed measure? So the Gemara says that's called an Amah Shel Kodesh. What is Amah Shel Kodesh? So, she tells us, it's six Tafahim Benunim. That's the standard when they were building the Mishkan or the Beit HaMikdash. When it gave all the measurements of uh, Amah, it meant six Tafahim Benunim. That's the standard measure. I don't care if the guy's Ogmele Chabashan or the guy's a midget, it's shoot of six Tafahim. Or do you say no? That it's subjective, that each guy according to his Amah. So he told, when, when, you, when you get to that Papa, do me a favor, ask him this question, how you calculate the Amot. So the Gebara says, Im Amar Lecha. Now, he, he, he anticipated that Papa's answer. So he said, if he tells you, Amot Shil Kodesh, you have there, that it's a standard measure, meaning six Tafahim each Amah. So altogether you get 24 uh, Tafahim, right? 
Og Melech Abashan Mateh So you ask him, what is Og Melech Abashan going to do? Meaning, if you have a giant, how are you going to tell him that he can only minimize himself to 24 Tavarim? Which is obviously his area, he cannot stay in 24 Tavarim. So how could you tell me it's a standard measure if you have a big giant guy that's not going to be enough room for him to, to lie down. So it can't be a standard measure. It's going to ruin it for the giants. So the Gebra says, And if you're going to tell me, no, it's subjective, meaning you go according to each guy's shi'ur, meaning you measure from his uh, elbow down, and that would be the shi'ur. The Gebra says, We have a Mishnah. The Mishnah says uh, that different shi'urim, which I'll tell you what these are in a moment, they all go according to what the guy is. Example, Rashi tells us. Look at Rashi Gabe Yeshe Amru. Mishnah Hebe Masikat Kelim. That's Mishnah Masikat Kelim. Yeshe Amru, Hakol Efi Mashihu Adam. Some say, whenever we give measurements, it goes according to the guy who is involved. For example, Melokum So Minha. When the Kohen has to take a comet's full of the minha, when he scoops up the flour, it goes according to his hand. It's no shi'ud, it's going whatever the Kohen's hand is. Or, melochofnaz ketoret. Or, he has to take a, 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 a scoop full of his hand of the ketoret. That goes according to whatever his hands are. Or, melolugmav biyom kippurim. The shi'ud of drinking on yom kippurim is a cheekful. Depending on if the guy's a big cheek or a small cheek. Depending on how much a guy would eat for, two se'odot. So therefore, since we have a Mishnah that tells us that a lot of the shi'urim are subjective, how come I didn't put this in there also? If you tell me it's subjective, it should have said, and the four amot of iruv goes according to the fima shihu. So therefore, what, uh, what Rav Mishnah is telling his son is, catch it up, papa, ask him the question, no matter what he answers you, ask him on it. You ask him the question, Hakam, the four amot, is it Ba'amadi Deh or Ba'amad Shil Kodesh? If he tells you Amadi Shil Kodesh, you tell me about Ogbel Kabashan. If you tell him it's Amadi Deh, Hakam and he write it in the Mishnah then. So the Gemara says what happened. Ki atali kamed rapapa, so the Mishnah's son got in front of rapapa, Amar Leh. So the papa didn't appreciate the question. <laughs> so he didn't answer any of the options that they anticipated. He told them, I daikinan kulehai, if you're going to be such a, you know, daikan, you're going to be so precise asking these questions over here, lo have taninan. You'll never be able to learn. Which means you're being so technical, such a technical question, you're, gonna, you're not going to have time to, uh, to study. Now, what was, he, uh, what was he saying? That she says, If that's the way you're going to learn the whole shas, We're not going to be able to answer every diuk uh, that you're making over here, and we're not going to have enough time to learn. It seems for some reason they didn't appreciate the question, even though the kaura. It's a, it's a important question sure. to know. So the Gemara says, he answered him, Le'olam be'ama dideh. Really, I'll tell you. So it, it seems you have to say the Gemara was like this. He went to the Papa, and they had the whole conversation. I mean, he answered him, Ama dideh. Hey, Damavit, Ama dideh, what about, uh, uh, you know, the Mishnah? So he went to the whole conversation. You're being so... Uh, Technically, with all these questions, learning like this, you'll never finish us. I'm going to tell you the answer, 
and finished. That, that, that's what uh, Rav Papa was, uh, was getting, uh, you know, uh, uh, rebuking him about. Anyway, it tells him, Oh, the kakashalach. Is that what you asked me? My tama look at Tanikabe Yesha Amru. Because it's not conclusive. Why? Because you can have a case where you're not going to go subjectively. And what's the case? A midget in limbs. Meaning, you have a, uh, a midget, let's say, that has the normal height of a person. However, his, uh, his hands are not proportioned. His hands are small. So in that case over there, you can't go according to what he is. Because basically the guy has the regular height of a regular person. He's tall. He has the three amot of a regular guy. Just like his... So now you're going to go according to his limbs. He's not going to have any space. So therefore, since there is a case where you don't go subjectively, the Mishnah didn't write that case. Because the Mishnah only wrote cases of automatic, the Kohen's hands. It is what it is. Uh, the guy's melonegima. Uh, it is what it is. Here, since you have a case where it's possible that you're not going to go according to what the guy is, the Mishnah didn't write it. And that's the case of Nanas Be'ebarav. And Nanas in his limbs. Come to Gemara and continues. Okay, so the Gemara says like this. We learned in our Mishnah. Our Mishnah said, we gave a case... Here's a few cases towards the end of the Mishnah. Two people, their tombs overlap. Right? There were six amot away from each other. So there's two amah of overlapping, shared space. So we said each one can bring their lunch into that shared space, and they can eat there. Good. Then the Mishnah gave a case of three people. Right? Where the external guys were outside. There was no overlapping on the external guys. But the middle guy overlapped with the guy to his right and the guy to his left. So we said... He's mutar with them, and they're mutar with him. Okay, that was the three. On that case, on that case, the Bishimon came along and said, it's analogous to a case of Hatserot, where you have three Hatserot that are open to the Rishut Rabim and opened to each other, and the ex- extreme guys did not make an Eruv together, but the middle guy made an Eruv with both Hatserot on the side. He's permiss- the middle guy is permissible with them, and they're permissible with him. That was a Bishim'on, he brought the case of uh, the Hatserot. So basically we have three cases in the Mishnah. The case of two people with the Tchum overlapping, the case of three people with the Eruv overlapping, and the case of Hatserot. That's what Bishim'on uh, threw in. It has nothing to do with Tchum, just the Deen of Hatserot. So the Gemara says, What did the Bishim'on need this Mashal for? In the case of the three, right, he brought the case of the Hatserot. Oh, you know what the case of the three guys where the middle guy overlaps with the extreme guys? That's similar to a case of three Hatserot where the extreme guys, extreme Hatserot did not make an Eruv and the middle guy did. What, what do you need that mashal? It's self-explanatory. So the Gebarah says, This is what the Bishimon was telling the rabbis, meaning uh, their counterpart, the Bishimon and the Mishnah. Mechdi, let's analyze what is it analogous to? Why did you argue on that case? Which means, by the case of Hatserot, there's an argument. There, Tanakama of our Mishnah, or Rabbi Yehuda of the Mishnah, is going to say, you cannot carry in the Hatserot. 
meaning the middle guy is Asud as well. And therefore, the Bishamon was saying, listen, you agree to me by the case of Tchum? Well, you have three guys. The extreme guys are Asud to walk into each other's zone, but the middle guy can eat with the guy that's right and the guy that's not because they have a shared area. So just like you say it by Tchum, why don't you agree to me by the case of Hatser? Because till now we thought everybody agrees to the Hatser case. Now we're learning it wasn't agreed. The Bishamon agreed by the Hatser case that the middle guy can... Uh, will carry into the right and carry into the left and they can carry into the middle it's just that the extreme guys the outer guys cannot carry into each other so the Bishamon was telling Tanakama listen you agree by the home case of three why don't you agree to the case of Hatser I mean it was really a question that's why he was bringing down the Hatser case he was challenging the opinion before him he was coming along and saying if you agree in this case why is the case of Hatser any different and to that the Tanakama answered back and the Gemara says like this why do you argue with me by the Hatser case and you don't argue with me by the Tchum case? The Rabbanan, the Rabbis, you know what answer? His answer is going to be, by the case of the Hatser, you have a lot of dwellers. Obviously you have three Hatserot over here. In the case of the uh, three guys with the Tchum, you just have three guys. So let's discuss that case first. Since you only have three guys over there, there is no concern that a mistake is going to happen. Meaning, the middle guy has shared space with the guy to his right. He has shared space with the guy to his left. We're not concerned that the guy on the right will carry something into an area or walk into an area that's not allowed. Only three guys. It's controlled. However, in the case of the Hatserot, since there's so many people over there, so you're going to tell me, well, the right guy can go into the middle. So let's say he'll bring something and carry that, because it's Zeru Hasirot. He'll carry something and put it in the middle. Now since there's so many people, it's quite possible that another guy will come and take that item and bring it into the next Hasir. Because there's, there's items all over the place, there's people all over the place, so it's more prone for mistake. And therefore, in that case over there, he says, why the Hasirot? Nobody can carry until everybody's part of the Ayruf. Why? Because since there's so many people, we're worried that a mistake might happen. That somebody will take something from the, the last Hasid, Hasid number three, bring it into the middle Hasid, which is okay, and then, since there's so many people, unwittingly that item is going to be transferred into the Hasid number one, and that's forbidden. So look at that she, as she says, Avshadiyurim, Avshadiyurim means there's a lot of residents or dwellers, Diyurim Hatsurot Rabim, Velo Yad'i Kulan Lizahir, just not everybody knows the law. Not everybody knows how to be careful. They're going to take stuff, Kelim, that was in Hasid number three, and they're going to carry it to Hasid number one through the middle. Therefore, you can't control it, everything's Asud. However, in the case of the Tehomin, it's three guys. Three guys are able to control it. We're not worried that the extreme guys are going to walk into each other's zone. Comes the Gibran continues. So now the Gemara wants to analyze this case uh, in general, the case of the Hatserot. Rabbi Shimon said what? The middle Hatser can carry to the sides, and they can carry into it, but the extreme Hatserot that did not make an Eruv with each other, they cannot carry one to the other. The Gemara now is going to challenge and ask how the mechanics of this case work. 
knowing the laws of Erubei Hatserot. So the Gebarah says like this. Gebarah says, Ve'amai. Why should it be like that? Kevan de'arbe lehu chitsonot behadeim sa'ayot. Since the extreme, or the, the, the outer Hatserot, made an Eruv with the middle, Havyelu hada. Now, everybody's considered having their residency in the middle. And how does an Eruv work? Everybody pulls their bread together, and it's considered what? That we're all now considered one residency. So therefore, in this case over here, the guys on the right pooled with the guys in the middle. So now that's considered one entity. The guys on the left pooled with the middle. Now they're also considered all one entity. Once they're considered one entity, they should be able to carry everywhere. Because now it's not three separate Hatserot anymore. True, one and three did not personally join, but they're combined through the center, which means not everybody's considered having their residency in the center Hasid. And therefore we're all considered one big group. Now wherever the group can carry, the group can carry. Which means you can't split it up and say, well, these guys can carry to the right, these guys can carry to the left. We're all one now. Therefore, everybody can carry to everywhere. So therefore the Gemara is questioning, how does the mechanics of this little work where you're telling me that the extreme Hasidot are forbidden? Once they all pulled themselves into the middle Hatser, so therefore they're all considered one, they should be able to carry everywhere. So the Gemara is going to give two answers to this, Rav Yehuda and Rav Sheshat. Gemara says like this, Amar Rav Yehuda, Kegon shenatna imsa'it eruba bezu, ve'eruba bezu. He answers, your assumption was wrong. You thought that they all put their bread in the middle, Hatser, and therefore they all considered together in one Hatser, didn't happen like that. The, uh, the middle guys, they put their bread to the outer, to the right, and then they put their bread to the left. And therefore, they do not all have a shared zone. Which means you're right, Nabi Yudan saying, if they all pull their stuff to the middle, you're right, you'd be mutat to carry in all the Hatserot. But the case of is talking about where the middle guys wanted to join with the right Hatser, and they wanted to join with the left Hatser. So instead of them putting the bread by the middle, exactly, the middle guys put the bread by the sides. So therefore, each chatzid is considered separate. Therefore, the extreme guys are not connected by anything. The middle cannot connect them. Therefore, according to Yehuda, that's the case of the Mishnah. That's why the, the middle guys connected, obviously, can go to the right and go to the left, and they can go to him. But the extreme guys, there's no uh, connecting chatzid that joins them as one. Therefore, they cannot carry. That's the way the Yehuda sees it. Now, Rav Sheshat has a different answer. The Rav Sheshat Amar, Afidu Tema Shenatnu Eruban Veimsa'it. He comes and says, no, I can give you a case, he even put the Eruvin all in the middle. Oh, so how come it doesn't join them as one? So the Gemara says, Kegon Shenatnu Bishne Batim. Oh, he gives a case. Now, in that middle Hasid, you have a few houses. So it's saying like this, the Hatsir to the Ratat, that's the number of the Hatsirot, okay? You have Hatsir number one, Hatsir number two, Hatsir number three, okay? So the guys in Hatsir number one, they put their bread in the middle Hatsir, Hatsir number two, in one house. And the guys in Hatsir number three, they also put their bread in Hatsir number two, in a different house. Now by putting it in a different house, for some reason that does not join them together. They're still considered separate. How? So the Gabbana says, Keman, who's just going like? Kebet 
What do you think? Bet Shammai's opinion? Why? What does Bet Shammai say? The Tanya, Hamisha Shigavu with Eruban. You have five guys that are living in a one Hasir. Five guys, five residents in one Hasir. So they have to collect Eru from each guy and put it in a common house. So the Gabbara says, Hamisha Shigavu with Eruban, Vinatnu Bishne Kelim. And you put it in two separate Kelim, two separate vessels. You didn't pull all the bread into one vessel, you put it into two different vessels. What's the deen? Bechamai omrim, en eruban eruv. Bechamai says, it's not an eruv. It's got to be all together. And therefore, same thing in this case over here. Since one guy put it in one house, one guy put it in another house, we're not considered pulled together. Therefore, I can only carry, I mean, the guys in number two can carry to number one and to number three, but one and three are not considered joined now. But Betelel says, no, 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 even if you put them in separate kelim, bottom line, it's all in the same hatzer, you're okay, I don't care if it's in separate kelim. So now the Gemara says, you know what? You can even say that Betelel will agree in the case where you put it in separate houses, that that's worse, why? When was Betelel lenient? When it's in two separate kelim in the same house. Then he'll say you're still considered one. Aval, No. But even Betelel will agree, in separate houses, no eruv. And therefore, we can explain Rav Sheshad as follows. Let's review. Rav Sheshad is telling us, what's the case? The case is talking about where Hasid number one and three put their erubin in the middle. Oh, they put their erubin in the middle, that should make them all one. No, they're not one. Because while they put it in the middle, they put them in different houses, where even Betelel will agree, different houses do not combine all the... Residents to make them one. It'll be enough, it will be enough to be considered in the, in the sense that what? They're partners with the middle guy. But it's not going to make one and three combined since their Eruv is not connected. So those are the two answers. Let's review the two answers quickly. Rav Yehuda and Rav Sheshat. Rav Yehuda says, you didn't put it in the middle. You, the middle guy put him in the uh, the side hatzor uh, one and three, and that's why one and three are not connected. The church says no, you even put it in the middle. You just put them in different homes, and therefore that does not combine them. Now the Gemara is still going to ask a question on both shitot. The Gemara says like this: Amar le have a question on both opinions. No matter how you learn, there's a, there's a question. how? You put the Eruv on Eruv number one and Eruv number three, right? Imsait. Uh, Gemara says like this, but Gemara says like this. Let's get the mechanics, how this works. Once the middle Hatsir joins with, let's say, Hatsir number one, okay? They put their Eruv in Hatsir number one. Now this is all considered one entity, which means now one and two are considered one. Yes. Because okay, they joined. Now, once Hasid number two joins with three, so it's like they're all joining. Which is, how does the Eruv work? The bread, the Eruv, makes them considered one big residency. So how, how could you say that, Rabbi Yehuda? Which means, even though Hasid number two joined with one, now one and two are considered one. So now when Hatsin number two goes to number three to make the Eruv, they're representing Hatsin number one as well. Oh, yeah. And therefore, it's considered one big Eruv. If everybody's able to carry 
everywhere. So that's what the Gemara asks. Let's read that inside. The Gemara says like this. Since the middle joined the Hitsona, let's say number one, they're considered now one. And now when they go make an Eruv with the other one, I mean number three, they're considered like the messengers of number one to join with number three, which means they're all considered one. They're representing themselves plus. Hasid number one, and therefore they're going to now join in number three. So everybody should be permissible to carry everywhere. That's the question according to Rabbi Yehuda. Well, Rav Sheshat Kasha. And according to Rav Sheshat, it's also Kasha. Because what do I care if you're putting it in two separate houses? Why? Kabbalah says. Which means putting it in two separate houses, the Kabbalah is going to go the other way now. Kabbalah is going to say like this. What's the deen? If you have... Five guys living in a Hasir. One Hasir. One of the guys doesn't make an Eruv. Or better. They all make an Eruv, but not all, not all with each other. Mm-hmm. Three guys make an Eruv with each other, and two guys make an Eruv with each other. Can anybody carry in that Hasir? No. You can only carry in a Hasir if all the dwellers combine together. But if each guy separately, two guys come along and say, no, we'll make the Eruv, me and you. But they boxed out the other three guys. The three guys don't have the other two. So therefore, in a case where not everybody's together, you can't even carry in the chatzir. So now they get what I was going to say like this, according to Rav Sheshat, forget about one and three. For sure they can't carry. But even the guys in the middle now are messed up. Why? Because, how is the Eruv made with the middle guy? One put it in one house, and one put it in a, another house. Which means, those two guys are not, not joined. Are not joined. Yeah. Which means, it's as if you have five guys in the chatzir, and certain guys did not make an Eruv with the other residents. Therefore, it should be Osir, even the, the middle Hasid itself. The Quran Gibran says that. Tehveh, let it be like five guys. Shishirim Bahasid, they're living in a Hasid. Ahat, one Hasid. Okay, one guy, let's say, forgot. He didn't make it. Four guys made the Eruv, one guy didn't. So they Osir it on each other. Everybody becomes a Sunnah. None of the five can carry in that Hasid. So says Sari Sending over here. Since now the Eruv is not together, so therefore it's as if he made a separate Eruv and he made a separate Eruv. Consider the two people as residents. Do you want to consider them residents of the middle, right? Well, they're not residents of the middle because each one is on their own. If each one's on their own, they're going to Osir, the middle Hatzir from carrying. So now I will answer both questions. Amalir of Asher. Lolir of Yehuda Kasha. Velolir of Sheshat Kasha. Not a question going to either rabbis. Why? Meaning like this. I'll say it outside and I'll read the words inside again. Basically, the question on the Yehuda was like this. Once already, one and two are joining. So now when two goes to three, he's representing one as well. So it's one entity, so it should be carried. So the Gibbas, no, we don't say that. Because if one and three wanted to join each other, they would have joined each other. So you can't say that when Hasid number two comes to make a Ayyub with Hasid number three, that they're representing Hasid number one as well. Because Hasid number one does not want to be with number three. The proof is 
Because they didn't join with number three. Which means you cannot make Hatsin number one against their will part of Hatsin number three, which means true they'll be considered one entity for themselves. Meaning, Hatsin number one and number two are considered one entity. But to consider them one entity, to join up with Hatsin number three to say that when number two goes to number three, they're representing number one. As if when number one is telling you be my shaliyah and join with number three? Of course not. Haraya, because they showed already their da'at, Hasid number one, they don't have anything to do with number three. What's the proof? They didn't, do it. they didn't join. They made a conscious decision to join with the middle guy. The middle Hasid. How come they didn't join with the, the number three? They don't want to be with them. So therefore, we're not going to say that even though it's one entity, so everybody's represented in the new idol that they make with number three. No, only the middle guy is represented. He cannot represent Hasid number one against their will. Let's read that inside. Since the middle Hatser joined with number one, but one in three did not. They have shown a clear intent that they want the middle guy, the middle Hatser, and they don't want the Outer guy. So therefore they cannot be considered joined together. That answers Rav Yehudah. And according to Rav Sheshat, it's also not a kasha. Why? If we gave a deen of diurin to be lenient, are we going to make diurin stringent? What does it mean? The law of diurin says like this. You have five dwellers, Right? We gave a leniency. If all the five dwellers in the Hatser pull up their bread together, we consider them one. So there's a kula by diurin. That five diurin technically can become one if everybody partakes. And that is a kula that we say by diurin. However, that being said, we're not going to say diurin the humrah in the sense that what? These extreme hasidot, meaning hasid number one, number three. They don't live in the middle hasid. Their hasid is, they live in hasid number one, hasid number three. They just want to pull up with hasid number two. But they don't live there. It's not their hasid. So therefore, they come and put their bread, they put their bread in one house, and the other guy comes along and puts the bread in another house. Now you want to be mahmid in this case over here? Which means, you want to come along and say, now, since each one put it in a separate house, so therefore they're like five dwellers in the Hasid that did not pull up with each other. No, that's, that's, it, that's not the way you use the law. The law is saying, yeah, when, they, when there's five dwellers in the Hasid, well, that's where they're living, then each one can osir each other. But these guys are not coming from the middle Hasid. They come from their respective. They're just trying to pull up with the middle guy. So when they put it in their respective houses, it's not considered like a case of five guys that one guy didn't make their the door say to each other. That's in a case where they live in the Hasid. Again, you have five residents in the middle Hasid, let's say. Oh, the Hasid. You have five residents in a Hasid. Okay? They all live there. We have a Kula. What's the Kula? Collect bread from each guy. You're all considered one, therefore you can all carry in the Hasid. Okay, that's a Kula that we have by the Yudin. Now you want to say Humna. Oh, you have one guy who doesn't live in the middle of Hatzir. He came along and put his bread in one house. 
You have another guy from a different Hatzid. He doesn't live in the middle Hatzid. He put his bread in the other house. Now you want to come along and say, oh, since the, 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 the middle uh, Hatzid over here is not being, the bread is not being shared amongst them. We don't say that. We said that that's a case like everybody living in the same Hatzid. But when they're coming from a different Hatzid, who said we're going to be Mahmir to say that they'll have to be combined? On the contrary, I'll say, listen, for me, I want to join with the middle guy. I'm Hasid number one. I'm good. I have my bread with you. I'm connected to you. Hasid number three says, I put my bread in there. I'm connected to you. We're not going to go now and say, well, they didn't put it together, so therefore the middle guy's not combined with both because they're not together with no said. No, we said diurin lahakel. The law of diurin is to be lenient that if they're all together and you collect their bread, it's okay. But we're not going to say diurin lahmir in the sense that if they're coming from different chatserot, that now they also have to be to combine. They don't want to combine each other, everybody. They just want to combine themselves to the middle guy. Therefore, even if it's in a different chatser, it's going to be okay. So therefore, ben l'rav sheshat, ben l'rav Yehuda, there is no kashya. Amen, amen.